Thank you for joining us on Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. We know that literacy is such a key element of a child's future. It's really the groundwork for everything that comes after. And when the schools are overloaded with students and not enough teachers, our libraries are there for us in so many different ways. And this year is the 50th anniversary of the Miami-Dade Public Library System, so you know we couldn't miss talking to them, and the director, Ray Baker. Thank you for being here, Ray. Hi, Ellen. Thanks for having me. 50 years. Okay, I know you haven't been there for 50 years, but it's still a big celebration. Can you tell us about what's going on and what kind of changes have happened with libraries over that course of time? Well, I'll tell you, even though I haven't been here 50 (laughs) years, I've been using Miami-Dade Public Libraries for almost 50 years, so I do have that affinity with it. But yeah, Miami-Dade Public Library System started, you know, back in 1971 with a merger with the former city of Miami Public Library. And of course, you know, as Miami-Dade County expanded to the west, the east, the north, and the south, we have added branches throughout the entire county just about. You know, we have coverage all the way from Naranja to Aventura, and we now have 49 branch locations with two bookmobiles and a technobus. That's fantastic. And I also grew up in North Miami Beach and had my library card. And, you know, one of our great pleasures in our family was going to the library and going to the um, the Dewey Decimal System and pulling out the card rack to find the books that we wanted. And, you know, our mom kept a long list of books that she wanted, everything new that would come out. She was an avid reader. So we all picked up that love of reading. But over time with technology, you've had to really change up how you serve the public. It's not just about putting books on a shelf anymore. What are the changes that you've brought into play to serve the public in an even better way? Sure. Well, first of all, even though card catalogs aren't very common anymore, uh, Dewey Decimal is alive and well and still is a great system for organization of the stacks where the physical books sit. But as you point out, you know, there are still a lot of other ways to access reading material. And you know, one of the biggest changes I think that you see nowadays is the ability to have different apps that are available from the library via products like Overdrive and Hoopla that allow you to access digital ebooks and e-audiobooks directly from your phone, tablet, or laptop. So we have people who you know, are diehard print books and they want, you know, as many print books as possible. But we also have a lot of people now who are only accessing the library through a lot of our digital products. What is the difference between an OverDrive, a Hoopla, a Libby? We keep seeing different apps that are available for digital reading, particularly in association with the different libraries. How does each differ? Sure. So OverDrive and Libby are the same company. Libby is, I would say, an offshoot product of the OverDrive app. And actually, the OverDrive app is going away, but Libby will still be there and will still have the same content that's available to you in OverDrive. So it is owned by the same company. It's a little bit confusing, but it's one of our most popular digital products. And then Hoopla also, you know, probably leans more towards having a lot more video content in terms of television shows and movies, but also has ebooks and e audiobooks. 
not everyone has access to a laptop or a Kindle or even a cell phone or any kind of internet device, but you are even helping in that way. Can you tell us about the mobile device lending program? Sure. I would say, you know, since the last time we talked and you know, during COVID-19, one of the biggest challenges we faced during a short time when we were closed was how do we you know, really serve the public during a time when our library doors were closed. And we worked on a lot of different initiatives to be able to allow people to connect to the internet and to get devices into their hands in case they, like you said, don't have devices at home or don't have internet at home. And one of the first things we did was we created what we call drive-up Wi-Fi. And we did this at 22 of our library locations where we boosted the internet broadcast from our libraries so that people could pull into a parking lot in one of our libraries if they weren't able to come inside or didn't want to come inside or if we were closed to uh, work on their homework or to just access the internet from our library parking lots. And then that evolved into several other grant opportunities that came up. You know, I'm sure you've heard of the CARES Act. You may have heard of the Emergency Connectivity Fund, mm-hmm. where we were able to uh, really start to invest in a lot of different lending programs. The first one we did was a tablet lending program. We purchased about 600 tablets with a built-in T-Mobile internet connection that patrons, and it's still an active program now, can come to our libraries, check out a tablet, take it home for an initial 30 days, and if there's no waiting list, they can check it out up to three more times. So you could have not only a device, but an internet connection to walk around with for up to 120 days if we had the devices available. I'm just thinking, first of all, you already answered my question. I I was going to say it's a tremendous expense, boosting Wi-Fi and gathering all those laptops and making Internet connectivity available to people. That's money. But you answered that already with the CARES Act. But then I'm thinking about when we purchase a mobile device of any kind, they always want to sell us a very expensive protection plan in case something happens. How do you deal with that when it comes to lending a device, what if a device gets broken or, you know, people drop things in the toilet? We hear about that all the time. Does someone have to give you a down payment, some kind of deposit, or is that covered in your cost and in the benefit of lending? We are trying to cover that on our end. We know that accidents do happen. People you know, have dropped some of the tablets and the screen is broken, but we don't want to go down the road of trying to charge people for an accident. You know, We're trying to help them as much as possible. And this is kind of a, a new era of lending. You know, It's not a $20 book, it's a $300 device. So we do try to ask people to be careful with it. We do provide a protective case to it, but things happen and you know, we are not asking people to reimburse us if something gets broken at this time. But it may be something that we shift to if it begins to become too much of a problem as we get further into this program. Do you see this expanding further and further so that, say, almost every kid who is a student in Miami-Dade County Public Schools would be able to get access if they needed it? Oh, I mean, we would love to do that. I don't <laughs> think we could... Uh, <laughs> I'm dreaming big! <laughs> yes, I mean, that would... It's an amazing aspirational goal, um, and I think you know, from the county's perspective, we would love to make sure that everyone is connected to the Internet in some way, shape, or form. And I think 
throughout the various county departments that are working on this community connectivity that the mayor really wants us to focus on, you're going to see all kinds of different avenues for people getting connected to the internet. Well, one of the things that you're doing is lending Wi-Fi hotspots for people who have a device but don't have any way to use it because they don't have access to the internet. And this way, they don't have to sit in your parking lot. They can actually bring a hotspot home. How does that work? How can someone access that? Yeah, well, you laid it out perfectly. This is kind of an evolution. We went just from, well, go back even another step before we started doing drive-up Wi-Fi. I mean, typically a library, you had Wi-Fi at the library, you had desktops in the library that the public could use, and then we evolved into the drive-up Wi-Fi, and then the tablets, and the next step, which we launched in January, was the Wi-Fi hotspots. And uh, we just started doing that a month ago. We had 500 of them that we purchased with emergency connectivity fund grant funding that we received. And very similar to the tablets, you have a library card from one of our libraries. We have them available and you take it out for an initial 30 days. And if no one's waiting at the end of that 30 days, you can renew up to an additional three times. Mm -hmm. And just as you said, you may be in a situation where you have a phone or a laptop, but you don't have an internet connection in your house or you're going somewhere on a trip or something and you want to have a connection. So it allows up to 15 people to connect to it and you can do your business there. It's absolutely phenomenal. And it has to be a huge boost in enabling young people to do their homework. Is more of the audience for this, are you finding more use from young people or adults as well? Well, it's a combination. And and sometimes it's hard to tell if it's just young people because so many adults come in and check these out for their kids that they'll use their adult card. And we might not necessarily know that they're getting it for their child or not. But most of the comments we receive is usually from adults about how helpful it's been for them to have this. And we get a lot of emails from people saying, hey, my 30 days is up. Can I renew it? Can I keep it a little longer? So I'm seeing uh, not necessarily just young people using this. I love what you're doing because there's one of the hot topics nowadays is all about disparities in access and diversity and equity. And what you're really doing is creating an equal playing field for everyone who has a library card and that's available free. So pretty much if you live in Miami-Dade County, you can go into the library sign up, and now you have the same access as anybody else. And that's a huge equalizer for people who wouldn't otherwise have opportunities. So congratulations on really making an impact, not just for everyone right now, but for their futures as well. Well, thank you. And we really hope we are making a big impact. And by the way, you don't just have to come into the library to get your library card nowadays. You can actually sign up for it online and get an e-card. And that is at ecard.mdpls.org if you don't already have a library card. If you have a library card already, you don't need to get an e-card. Or if you think you lost it or it expired, just email us at customercare at mdpls.org. And you know, we usually can find you in our system, even if it's been a few years since you've been in and we can get you all caught up. Okay, and you do have to be a Miami-Dade resident. You have to live in the Miami-Dade Library Taxing District, which includes almost all of our municipalities. Like you mentioned, you used to be uh, in North Miami Beach, which is not part of the district, but 
we do have a reciprocal borrowing partnership with them where the residents of North Miami Beach have access to Miami-Dade libraries and Miami-Dade library residents have access to North Miami Beach, as an example. So it's almost the entire county. And now you're moving even further ahead. I understand you're going to have Chromebook laptops available. Yeah, so this is the next step in the evolution that we discussed earlier. You know, that emergency connectivity funding that I mentioned, um, we received almost $2 million in grant funding. Great team effort here by our IT folks and our library folks to put together a really good grant application. And we will have 2,000 Chromebooks that we're going to be, that will be available for lending, which will also have the built-in T-Mobile plan. And Our focus for this is we're going to have some of them available for lending at each of the branches, but we're really going to focus more on outreach into the community with the supply of laptops. You know, Mayor Lillian Cava really wants us departments to work together on her no wrong door vision for county services. And our first step in this is we'll be working with our partners in the public housing and community development department to uh, try to focus on some of our residents in public housing to get some laptops into their hands. Fantastic. And this is a lending program, not giving them away. They do have to come back eventually, but some people get confused about that. But it is a lending program, just like the hotspots and the tablets and and a regular book. (laughs) Now, you talk about these grants that you've gotten in very large amounts, and I'm accustomed to working with organizations that are nonprofits not associated with government, and they have to hold fundraisers, and if they can raise a few thousand dollars, they can keep going. Is that something that the library needs and wants in addition to the grants they get from the government? Can people hold a fundraiser or a bake sale to help the library? Because you don't really have late fees anymore, since with digital lending, you take the books back automatically before we have to pay you anything. Oh, yeah. And also on print materials, we did get rid of fines and fees about three years ago. So, and that's been kind of a nationwide trend, especially with the larger library systems in the nation. Really, the traditional idea of you're going to pay 10 cents a day if you're late. We got rid of that, like I said, I think it was 18, 2018 or 2019. So, uh, but to answer your question, you know, we do have a Friends of the Library organization that does advocacy and fundraising for the library. They are out and about in the community um, doing things like Give Miami Day, which has been made a very successful Give Miami Day this past year. And um, anyone who wants to donate to the library, of course, we always appreciate it. And the best way to do that is through the Friends of the Miami Day Public Library System. They work hand-in-hand with us, and we uh, work very closely on other grant applications to maybe some non-traditional organizations for additional funding. So that's really our advocacy and fundraising group. And where can someone get information about everything Miami-Dade County Public Library System? Sure. The best place to start is our website, www.mdpls.org. And everything we talked about today is on there, as well as information about our Friends of the Library group. They have a link on our website. And also just general questions, customercare at mdpls.org. We have that staff seven days a week, and they will respond to you on Saturdays, Sundays, even later into the evening with any questions about your account, any questions about our programs and services. And talking about programs and services, with this being Women's History Month, can we find on your website recommendations for books about women or written by women? You know, everything women's history. 
Yes, yeah, so we, we have a banner on there available for Women's History Month and generally any of the big events that are coming up for any month. And we try to do a themed reading list for every kind of big event for each month of the year. It's wonderful. It's amazing how much the services have expanded over time. And you're really a locus of the community now where there are classes for people of all ages. You've been able to offer online Zoom Teams classes when people can't come in person because of COVID. That really changed everything. And oddly, for the better in the long run, certainly not for anyone who had COVID or lost someone to COVID, but by forcing everyone to change their delivery manner, you've enabled more and more people to access your services and enabled you to send your services out to the public and reach more people. So instead of 20 people having a book read to them, you could have 150 or 200 with someone reading a book to them. And all of that is just a tremendous benefit to the public. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. And, you know, our homework help program, our tutoring program, you know, we really had to transition that from what used to be a thousand K through 12 kids in person every Saturday to completely online. And we're still doing a thousand kids every Saturday, you know, providing them tutoring services, as well as our adult learning academy, which has a curriculum of classes each semester and with different things like language learning, people who are working on their GED later in life. And yeah, uh, finding time to physically go to a library to take some of these classes every Thursday or whatever the duration or the time may be can be challenging. So I think it only makes sense nowadays to have online opportunities as well as in-person opportunities. But uh, the online has really taken off. And I think it's going to be a mainstay as we come out of this pandemic. Well, it's phenomenal the amount of time and energy and thoughtfulness that's been put into making all of these changes and implementing them. And I congratulate you and all of your staff and your IT people who work to get the grants. There's so much that the library offers. If anyone does not go to mdpls.org, you're cheating yourself out of tremendous experience because really you've got the world at your hands when you've got the library. It's a sacred space to me, and I hope it will be that way for our listeners as well. Is there anything else that you want to say to our listeners while we have you? Oh, just to add to what you said, I mean, just tremendous money savings as well. You know, with things like not only the device lending, but being able to have access to things like the Wall Street Journal, Consumer Reports, you know, other New York Times, things that you are paying for a monthly subscription for. With your Miami-Dade Public Library card, you can save a few bucks and really put your tax dollars to work. Awesome. Okay. I just have to say thank you. And it is always a pleasure to talk to you. And we will do this again. Ray Baker, Director of Miami-Dade Public Library System. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Ellen. Love talking to you. We joke about South Florida drivers and traffic, but it can be very serious when it turns into costing someone's life. And there is one person who understands this and as a result of a personal experience created the Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K. Heather Geronimus, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Well, I love I get to talk to you at least once a year every time the walk comes up. And you've told your story so many times about what caused you to 
found this particular event. And now you're the national board chair for Mothers Against Drunk Driving, correct? Yeah, it's been a long journey. Yeah. I don't, do you want to tell your story again? Of course, it's so important for people to hear the story and to know the realities of what's going on on our streets. So, um, you know, I grew up down here in South Florida and I, I was born somewhere else. I moved back there. I moved back here. But, you know, one of the most pervasive issues always in Florida is traffic. Uh, um, everybody has their opinion on traffic. Right. And I, I never, ever thought that it would become such a huge issue in my life. But in 2009, on January 24th, my father, Dr. Robert Geronimus, was having a lovely dinner at a medical conference in Miami and afterwards decided to take advantage of the beautiful January night and walk back to his hotel. And when he was crossing the street on foot, he was struck and killed by a drunk driver. That drunk driver blew a red light, drove at a high rate of speed and threw my father into the middle of the street on Brickle where he died. And, you know, despite my father being a medical professional, you know, no amount of medical professionals could help him after what happened to him. And, you know, after that happened, um, first, they, I have to give a special shout out to Kim Caruso, who's now a commander with Miami-Dade PD. But she was a detective and she really she made all the difference in my life that anyone could have because she found that person. She made sure that all the right things were done to make sure that as much justice as possible could happen for my family. And in the same vein, Mothers Against Drunk Driving reached out to me and provided support, victim support to me and to my family at a time when we were going through something that nobody else could understand, you know, going to court and facing the person that killed your loved one mm -hmm. at things like the crime victims fund in the state, you know, <laughs> things that um, are definitely living the, the very charmed life that I lead would never have thought that I would have needed. And it was just so remarkable to me, Ellen, that there was a support network that was completely free and there was no expectation of any return. And um, it really left a mark on my life and changed my life forever. And then, you know, I was back in this mindset of what's going on here? How did this happen to my family? You know, South Florida was very hard on drunk driving when I was growing up. And it just had kind of faded into the background. It wasn't in the forefront. So, you know, Walk Like Madam Mad Dash for Lauderdale is all about bringing it to the forefront and bringing together people who have been impacted with people who haven't been impacted and companies, uh, you know, corporate support, foundation support, and bringing out thousands of people on a day that has a somber purpose, but that is for a positive future. And, you know, that's what we've been doing for the last 11 years with a gap for COVID. But we're yeah. excited bring back the event on April 24th to bring the whole community together to save lives because the reality is is that the traffic deaths and drunk driving deaths are going way up. Yeah, well, I've seen there's a huge increase in accidents. I think part of it is because nobody was driving for at least a year and now people are starting to get back out on the roads and I guess maybe they forgot what traffic is like. Or it's just been so long and they're so excited and it's all stressful again because now there are so many cars and the accidents are creeping up again, which, you know, too many cars, not enough space, people in a hurry. And then you add in parties and drinking or 
I know you've expanded into also preventing drugged driving. Uh Um, And it's a horrible situation. And I'm always amazed at how easily you can talk about it, although I know the pain is there. And every time you tell that story, I just am reminded again of how horrific it had to have been to suddenly suddenly lose your father like that you know it's like it's just all of a sudden he's he's there and then he's gone so yeah it's not there's no easy way to lose a loved one but in many cases you have more time or more understanding um this is just for no no reason because somebody made a terrible decision and i'm sure that person's life has been impacted forever but certainly mine and my family's and thousands of people that my father served as a nephrologist uh every year so i think that um it's just it's inexplicable and it will never be explained yeah you know i've got to say i'm sure that there are a lot of people who feel that way with covid who lost people mm-hmm. suddenly or watched someone spend a month in ICU. So I think people can probably feel for you and empathize with you about losing a loved one. All the more reason to get involved and come and join the 11th annual Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K on April 24th. And this is how you channeled your energy into creating this event to raise awareness about drunk and drugged driving and to create a future of no more victims. So what can we expect this year? So we are really excited to be back at Heisinger Plaza for the 11th time. For those of you listeners that joined us last year, we didn't have all the fun stuff because we were we were under different COVID protocols. But this year we can expect to see, you know, in addition to actually a beautiful new 5K course, we'll have, uh, you know, a beautiful walk and run through downtown and Ria Vista. And then in the park before and after, we'll have entertainment on the stage at Heisinger Plaza sponsor and vendor booths. Uh, There will be a community corner where I invite other nonprofit friends to meet all the folks that come out to Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale because there's a huge ecosystem of support here in Broward County. And it's not just about Mothers Against Drunk Driving on that day. And we'll have fun. We'll have food. We'll have medals for the finishers. They're beautiful, etched with the skyline of downtown Fort Lauderdale. Mm. And for those of you out there who are impacted by drunk driving, we will have a victim's corner so that you can meet with a victim advocate to talk through because sometimes it's hard to show up to a mad event. And we know that. And we also see our friends that aren't impacted, you know, taking in the, the pictures of people who have been lost. And that's really important. We're also really thrilled this year. I, I stepped back as chairwoman. I'm the honorary chairwoman. And our chairwoman is Under Sheriff Nicole Anderson, who everybody knows. She's in the the second of the top spot at BSO, and we're so lucky to have her here. She supports so many causes. But one of the things that's really interesting about Nicole is that she is a former trooper. So traffic is very important to her. One of the first things she said when I met her. So I've been waiting for this moment for us to team up and really make an impact on Broward County. And here we are with this great opportunity to reemerge our event together and save lives together. So I can't wait for that. Yeah. And I am going to speak to her before the walk and let the audience listen to her because she is she's truly a remarkable human being and has accomplished so much and is the first female undersheriff at BSO. So, you know, I get excited when glass ceilings are broken, too. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. And of course, you know, there are children's activities. Now, 
One of the things I really love is that you do have that area for other nonprofits to come and set up and show what they do. How can someone get a booth and arrange to be there? And is there a deadline for that? If you visit our website, walklikemad.org backslash Fort Lauderdale, there's contact for the event. Her name is Rachel Stevens and her email is there on the website. And so please reach out to us, you know, definitely by mid-March, we would love to have that grouping solidified, but we could probably slip to as end of late March. But everything for the event, including how to get a booth, is on walklikemad.org backslash Fort Lauderdale. You can go there today. You can register, you can register yourself as a team or an individual, as a donor, you know, you can be a runner or a walker. We are still keeping virtual participation. We want to make sure everybody feels comfortable participating. Um, And last year we had participants even as far away as the UK. Wow. Uh, (laughs) Really hopeful that we get that kind of participation again. I've got friends all over, so I want to keep it open for virtual for many reasons. So there's lots of ways to participate. And you did mention the kids zone. I forgot. We've been really working hard on having a fun experience for our kids. So we'll have a kids zone and we'll have a little kids Rad dash at the end of the event. I love that. It's so cute. They're just adorable to watch. And I know you mentioned it last year, COVID. We're still a month away, six weeks away. So we have no idea what's going to happen in the next six weeks. But as of now, what are the projected COVID precautions that will be in place? So, you know, you're right. I mean, things change so fast, right? So mm-hmm. we don't, we have no idea what will happen in six weeks, but we are constantly monitoring. So, you know, right now, you know, the great thing about a walk and run is that you don't have to be right now on top of people. So we will have waved starts like we did last year. So people are spread out at the start line. The one thing about a run is you can be kind of clamped together as at the corral, but we don't want to do that. So we will have a wave start. So people will start in smaller groups than in the past, as opposed to starting everyone at the same time. Of course, every Everyone will be gloved and masked if necessary. Um, not sure if we'll need that at that point. Um, we will be outside. And, you know, Hezinga Plaza is big enough for everyone to stand at a safe distance from one another if they're not masked and, you know, really uh, enjoy the day, but in a safe way. And, you know, of course, any food will be packaged or single serve or things like that. Um, We definitely want all of our participants to feel safe and accommodated for in these really ever evolving times. Okay, And of course, in addition to participation, it's always good to donate to someone who is participating or to a team because raising funds allows you to do the kind of advocacy you do that helps create laws that make driving safer. And you always need volunteers. What what kind of volunteer work do you need this year? And are there service hours for young people? We will absolutely give service hours if you need them to graduate. But we will we will sign off on those the day of. We need all kinds of help. Um, we need setup help. We need tear down help. We need water stop help, food help. You know, distribution, metals, water at the finish line. So you know, it takes about a hundred volunteers to make the day perfect. And again, you can visit walklikemad.org/backslash/fortlauderdale and click on volunteer so that you can reach out to us and uh, we can get you a spot in volunteering. Um, in addition to the service hours, volunteers get a snazzy shirt of a different color. 
color. So <laughs> get, get a little something extra from that. All right. So you've got the website walklikemad.org slash Fort Lauderdale. And we do have everything listed on our website. So you can go to our events listing and you'll find the link there. And just keep the date, April 24th. We're going to be there with you. I can't wait. The 11th annual Walk Like Mad and Mad Dash Fort Lauderdale 5K. Heather Geronimus, what you do for our community is just beyond words. Thank you. Well, what you do for our community is beyond words. I'm glad to have uh, partners like you that care so deeply about our county. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about the program or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-1-E, at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for a new edition of Community Focus. Have a great day.